This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would speak to us afresh this afternoon through it by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes I miss my days as a trial lawyer. Nothing beats a good cross-examination. You know, there you are, you can ask all these questions, and when somebody obfuscates, they don't answer it, you just keep going, it's fantastic. And if it goes really, really well, you get people to admit all those things that they're standing in the dock for, and it's just marvelous. Now, of course, most times, cross-examinations don't actually go like that. They're thoroughly tedious, and you, you put your case, and it's all terribly pedestrian, and they say, no, no, I put it to you this, no, and, and so it goes. But Simon Peter, he would have been a prosecutor's dream for a cross-examination. You know, given all the promises that he made in front of numerous witnesses never to deny Jesus, followed by his complete capitulation, he would have given even the most inexperienced attorney a field day. Well, this afternoon, we encounter Simon Peter being questioned not by an attorney in a courtroom, but by Jesus on a beach. And I want to take a fresh look at this wonderful scene. But first, let's set the scene. Uh, Simon Peter's encounter with Jesus takes place on the shores of Lake Galilee. Jesus has prepared a breakfast for a group of seven disciples after they'd spent the entire night fishing, a night that had proved to be utterly fruitless until, that is, Jesus had called out and said, hey, you might try putting the net on the other side which they did, and gathered a hole so vast that they couldn't even get the nets back into the boat. Well, they go ashore. Jesus already has a fire going with some fish on it and some bread. And then Jesus says, can you bring some of the fish that you just caught? Simon Peter obliges, dragging the hole onto the shore. And the author tells us there were 153 fish. Clearly, someone liked to count. Jesus invites them to have breakfast. Another detail worth noting is none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Indeed, this was now the third time Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And then Jesus speaks to Simon Peter. I often wonder whether it was by the fire, or had they just moved to one side? We, we don't know. But I find this encounter to be so very poignant, so very moving. I should imagine, as one of the children helpfully uh, told us, Peter must have felt intensely embarrassed, awkward, uncomfortable, given his thoroughly reprehensible behavior the week before. Then he had denied even knowing Jesus with curses. And Simon wasn't just any disciple. He was the disciple to whom Jesus had given the name Peter. The name that means what? Rock. Peter was supposed to be the strong one, the reliable one. 
And certainly he had promised that he, of all the disciples, was the one on whom Jesus could absolutely depend. Well, fortunately for Peter, and thankfully for us, Jesus did not and does not play the clever, aggressive barrister. He didn't lay bare Peter's glaring failures. He didn't go through the promises that he'd made, you know, and then one by one go through the denials. But he did ask him three questions. And, of course, it was really just one question repeated three times. But it's interesting what Jesus didn't ask. He didn't say, Peter, how sorry are you? How long have you cried and fasted over this? Rather, he simply says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And interestingly, the first time he says that, he adds more than these, presumably referring to the other disciples, which seems a bit odd. After all, how, how could you answer that? Well, except, of course, Peter had previously promised that he did love Jesus more than these. Interestingly, now in his response, he doesn't compare himself to the others. He doesn't compare himself to anyone at all. He just says, you know that I love you. He doesn't lie or grovel. You know, Lord, obviously, I don't love you more than the others. You know I'm a completely useless failure. No. Peter knows that he loves Jesus, and he knows that Jesus knows that he loves him, and so he says so. When Simon Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, Jesus doesn't argue with him, and nor does he say, oh, well, okay then, let's get back to the fire. He gives him a job to do. He says, feed my lambs. And this encounter that we encounter three times, and it's the same, and it's getting kind of more and more awkward. So by the time we get to the third time, Peter's feeling hurt that Jesus should keep on asking him the same question, though I dare say not so hurt as Jesus must have felt the third time Peter denied even knowing him. But this exchange in the light of a charcoal fire at the water's edge with a simple meal of fish and bread is such an evocative scene. How graciously, how gently Jesus confronts Peter with the last occasion on which he had warmed himself by a charcoal fire. You can almost smell it. And that previous time was in the temple courtyard after Jesus had been arrested. And here, Jesus, I think, is giving Peter the opportunity to parallel his previous three denials with three reaffirmations of his love for Jesus. And I think there's a very, very powerful message in this for us. Before we can follow and serve Jesus effectively, the sin in our own lives has to be addressed. And just because Jesus didn't shout at Peter or cross-examine Peter doesn't mean that Peter's denials didn't matter. They did. And Jesus pressed him on his love and loyalty three times in public or semi-public, even to the point of hurting his feelings or embarrassing him. 
But I think the reason that Jesus does that is not to make Peter feel guilty and full of shame. On the contrary, I think this may be Jesus's way of caring for Peter. You know, without this, think about, if this hadn't happened, what would be the kind of playlist that would haunt Peter for the rest of his life? I think he'd probably call it his regrets and self-recrimination playlist in his own words. I don't know the man. I never knew this man. I swear I don't know who you're talking about. But Jesus is giving Peter a different playlist, still in Peter's own words. Maybe he'd call it his love and forgiveness playlist. Lord, you know that I love you. Lord, you know that I love you. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus is not being hurtful. He is being pastoral. Jesus was not and is not in the business of tearing down, but building up. His goal is not to condemn, but to restore. I wonder what tapes play in your... Well, we don't have tapes. Playlists play in... I'm so old, you see. What playlists are on the repeat mode in your mind of past failures, of sins? Because if you've got playlists like that, I would hate for you to go home without knowing that Jesus wants to change those playlists. And he's in the business of restoration. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. As Jesus himself said, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And this ex entire exchange between Peter and, and Jesus can't have been easy. But of course, real forgiveness seldom is. And so Jesus very gently confronts him with these three denials, and they're dealt with. And I think if this had never happened, well, Peter couldn't possibly have been the effective disciple that he came to be. What are the old failings, the old scores, the old wounds that you hold on to? Are they things in your memory, things in your imagination? Because you can name them before Jesus. And I think Peter probably learned something else that day on the beach that he never forgot, which is that repentance, which is turning away from sin, is not a one-time deal. We're all guilty of failing God. We're all guilty, actually, of denying Jesus, of not living and speaking as he would want us to live and speak. That's why we need to keep on repenting and being forgiven and being restored. And as Christians, we have a responsibility to look after one another, to encourage and nurture and help and sometimes check up on one another or hold one another accountable. Indeed, that is what Jesus was telling Peter to do when he says, feed my sheep. And so I wonder for, for you today, who might the sheep be that you are being called to feed? I think they include our children, those who might be in our community groups. Maybe just look around you, the people who are here today. All those who have repented and are seeking to follow Christ are his sheep. We are the sheep. And Peter was commissioned by Jesus to take care of others. 
very soon here at Ascension, in what, three weeks' time, we will be having um, an important ordination service. Josh and Jess Bennett and Greg Sparks from our congregation will be ordained deacons. And Herb Bailey in the diocese will be ordained a priest. And then on August the 6th, Bishop-elect Alec Cameron, you know, elected a few hours ago, will be ordained and consecrated as our new bishop. And in these services, those about to be ordained to the diaconate will be exhorted to share in the humility and service of our Lord Jesus Christ for the strengthening of the church. An ordained priest is called to many things, and you'll hear this if you come to that service, including to seek for Christ's sheep who are in the midst of this fallen world. And our new bishop will be called upon to be to the flock of Christ a shepherd, not a wolf. Feed them. Do not devour them. Hold up the weak. Heal the sick. Bind up the broken. Bring back the lapsed. Seek the, shop, the, the lost. These are weighty responsibilities. And how grievous when those entrusted with these responsibilities fail. And when the shepherds hurt the sheep. May God forgive us, forgive the church, for when we have hurt God's lambs. But you know, these weighty responsibilities, though particularly entrusted to bishops, priests, and deacons, they're not exclusively theirs. You don't need to be ordained and wear funny clothes to be used by God. Especially funny clothes bishops wear, but anyway. The Bible teaches the priesthood of all believers. And Peter took his commission very seriously. And in one of his letters later on, he writes, like living stones, and we've heard a lot about living stones over the last two years with our capital campaign, but let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. We are all called to pastoral ministry, at least insofar as we are called by Jesus to love one another. We're called to be on mission, to go into the world to share the good news of Jesus. This is such an important part of who we are called to be as a church, a people that loves others and a people that shares Jesus with others. We don't come to church week by week merely to recharge our batteries till next time. We are called not only to worship God together for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning or even a Saturday afternoon, but rather to live our lives in worship, love, and service. If you love me, says Jesus, feed my sheep. The Gospels do not end their accounts of, of, about Jesus with, on the third day, he rose from the dead and everyone lived happily ever after. As we saw in the Gospel reading this morning, Peter and the other disciples from Galilee had headed home, not primarily to toast the victory of resurrection, but initially, at least, to get on with life's routine. For them, it was fishing. 
And each of the Gospels in their different way ends with a challenge to tell others about Jesus. And in this instance, I don't think we're reading too much into the account by seeing this fishing as a picture of how we might do this. There is certainly a very stark contrast between the results when the disciples went out fishing purely on their own initiative. And they're good at this. They're professional fishermen. But they catch nothing compared to when they fish at the direction of Jesus, their nets are overflowing. There's nothing wrong with the disciples' fishing abilities. It just doesn't bring them any fish when they purely relied on their own ability. When they listened to Jesus and relied on him, even to the point, frankly, of doing something that probably seemed ridiculous and futile. I mean, honestly, what did Jesus know about fishing? Would be in their minds, perhaps. But the catch was overwhelming. And you know, while our services and our other church programs are important, the greatest need and challenge for us is to depend on God through prayer as we listen to and rely upon the risen Lord Jesus. The story of the disciples fishing also has something very important to tell us about the scope of the work that God has called us to. Their catch was an astonishing one, far beyond their expectations. And I have no doubt that if we will follow Christ's leading and do as he would call us to do, then we too will be astonished at the effectiveness of the mission. The Bible is filled with surprising things from start to finish. God calls and equips the most unlikely people to accomplish his purposes. I'm not going to get into it, but we, had, we heard it read, the story of Saul's conversion. It would be hard to imagine a more unlikely prospect to become a follower of Jesus. Saul was on a mission, a mission not to spread the good news of the gospel, but a mission to persecute and imprison any Christian he could find. And in the middle of it, he encounters Jesus on the Damascus Road. I wonder, who is the most unlikely person you know to follow Jesus? Think about it. Is it someone who professes to be an atheist? Is it someone who seems to have no need of God, who views church as completely irrelevant? Well, perhaps, just maybe, it is pre precisely for such people that we need to start or keep on praying. And if this seems daunting, I hope you'll be encouraged by remembering that Jesus used very ordinary people to take up the missionary challenge. The people who met with Jesus over breakfast on the shores of Lake Galilee included monumental failures like Peter, doubters like Thomas, as well as loyal, faithful souls like Nathaniel, and a couple of guys with irascible temperaments, the sons of Zebedee, and two others who don't even get a mention. At least we don't know what the, name are, the names are. And it's to these people, and so also to you, that Jesus comes alongside. 
Jesus shared a simple meal with his motley crew of disciples. He drew near to ordinary people in an ordinary way in ordinary circumstances in order that these same people could be used by him to fulfill extraordinary work for him. And that is what Jesus still does today. And it all begins with recognizing the Lord's call as the disciples did in the boat and as Saul did on the road to Damascus. And I know that many of you here have recognized that call. But perhaps some have lost your enthusiasm. Maybe you've not taken our Lord's commission to heart and maybe you've even denied Jesus. And so I want to, to finish up by returning for a moment to the question that Jesus asked Peter. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And that question is for us. It's for us today. And so Jesus would say, Jonathan, do you love me? Sarah, do you love me? David, do you love me? How will you answer that question? And because the question isn't first and foremost, will you go to church? Will you pray? Will you read your Bible? And those are all important. The question's not even, are you an Orthodox Christian? No, the question is more challenging, more personal, more embarrassing. The question before us today is simply this. Do you love Jesus? And finally, notice the very last thing that Jesus says to Peter in verse 19. He says, follow me. These two words, the last two words we have recorded of Jesus to Peter are identical to the first two words he had spoken to him a few years before. Follow me. And today, Jesus says to you, simply and directly, follow me. Amen.